welcome to this Dealer's Edge online training session featuring employment law expert Charles Fuse presenting a workshop that we are calling Fearless Firing, describing an effective, confident, and humane way to terminate dealership employees. Charles is an employment law specialist with the firm of Kilpatrick Townsend & Stockton, LLP, headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina, and with offices nationwide. I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. Out of ignorance of the law and have it turn around and bite you. Hey, Charlie. Yes. Uh, can we take a couple questions before we move on? Absolutely. Okay. First question is on the subject of implied contracts. Um, can a written pay plan in a dealership be construed as an implied contract? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Depending how it's written, it can be a written contract. But a pay plan is a form of a contract. Um, now, you can put on there that uh, this plan is subject to being changed or amended at any time without notice. And, you know, you should protect yourself like that. Um, some states require a certain amount of notice before you uh, change somebody's pay or method of pay. But you do want to reserve the right to uh, um, change a pay plan like that. Okay. Uh, second question on wage and hour issues. Um, there was a case in the news recently, I think it was a Supreme Court case, uh, involving service advisors and whether or not they were eligible for overtime. Um, do you have an opinion about whether service advisors will be made eligible for overtime or, or, or how that might go? Well, um, I don't think it was a Supreme Court case. Okay. Was it? I think it was a circuit court case. And okay. Mike, Mike, you're probably familiar with this, but th that issue has been a burning back and forth deal with different, uh, you know, different rulings by different courts around the country for a long time. Whether or not a service writer is either a somebody who's covered under the uh, uh, automotive exemption to the Fair Labor Standards Act or maybe in some cases could be a manager who would be exempt. But the big question is, you know, should a service rider be covered under the same exemption that covers um, mechanics and salespeople? Uh, you know, my opinion is that they should be exempt. Um, I've argued that they should be exempt in, uh, in a lot of cases. Uh, but I think that the, um, you know, I think that the uh, law is moving in the opposite direction and carving uh, service riders out from the uh, exemption. Okay. And uh, one more question on uh, religious observances. Uh -huh. um, every salesperson in our dealership is required to work Saturdays. Uh, but one of the salespeople says he cannot work Saturdays because it is for religious reasons. It's a it's a day that he uh, that he he has to go worship. Uh, should we make that accommodation? Well, um, the right answer is that you should try to accommodate the employee. The problem that I've had with that situation in a lot of cases is that you question the legitimacy of the complaint. You know, I've had a lot of cases where employees worked, you know, for 
on Saturdays for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden they show up and they say, well, you know, I've got to, I go to a new church and I can no longer work on Saturday. And your feeling is that the employee's just trying to get out from overtime because you've been working a lot of overtime lately. And you would like to say, you know, no way. Um, you know, you got to work it or I'll fire you. The problem is that the it's very difficult to say that somebody's claimed religious beliefs are not legitimate. I mean, we've got we've got cases out there involving uh, people who claim to be witches, who claim to be Satan worshipers, and the courts hold that all of that is as long as it's a genuinely held belief by the employee, uh, then you know that's going to be protected. Now, if it is absolutely impossible. If, for example, you only had one employee and he said that and, and your business would close without that employee being there, then you don't have to accommodate them. But if you've got a decent-sized dealership with a rotation of salespeople, um, you, uh, you, know, you probably need to figure out some way to accommodate the individual. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to you know, make it up to them by giving them better shifts during the other uh, days of the week or anything like that. But um, in terms of giving them Saturday off, uh, something that you probably ought to do. Okay. Uh, a comment from uh, one of the people in the audience <clears throat> that uh, she believes the service advisor case is going to go to the Supreme Court. Um, Maybe that's what it is, because there's a split in the circuits. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the issues, as I read it, was that the, uh, the judges had a hard time figuring out where the service advisors fit into the dealership. Are they really salespeople, or are they more customer service representatives? Uh, should they be considered commissioned employees or uh, more traditional salaried employees? And, uh, and so we'll see. That'll, we'll probably hear more about that then in the, in the fall. And uh, what's the, again, what's the... Uh, why, why, why are parts employees or some parts employees uh, treated differently or, uh, you know, automatically exempt from overtime? Right. Well, you know, there's a specific exemption in the Fair Labor Standards Act for certain automotive employees. And I'm looking for it right now as we speak. But it uses the expression partsmen, partsmen. So... Uh, you know, somebody who stands at a, uh, at a counter uh, and uh, delivers parts to a customer who's standing there, um, you know, buying a part is genuinely, is generally regarded as exempt. The law states, and I'm reading it here, any salesman, partsman, or mechanic primarily engaged in selling or servicing automobiles, trucks, or farm implements if he is employed by a non-manufacturing establishment primarily engaged in the business of selling such vehicles. So that's, you know, that's the same uh, piece of the law that uh, uh, it's called 13B10, if you want to sound like a law nerd, um, under the Fair Labor Standards Act. That's the same provision that raises the question about um, the sales writers. So the thing is, is if you've got a, a parts counterman who's selling parts to the public, then uh, you know that's going to be considered 
exempt under this law. But some, particularly larger dealerships, they've got people who have various titles like parts expediters who aren't really involved in the sale of the parts. All they're doing is moving parts around, warehousing parts, maybe delivering parts to the technicians in the shop. Those people are not, do not fall under that provision and therefore are entitled to minimum wage and overtime. Okay. <clears throat> Let's take one more question before we move on. Okay. Um, okay, see if I, I understand this one properly. And, and Wayne, if I get it wrong, if you'd maybe restate it for us, uh, I'll ask it again. If an employee uh, refuses to do a particular job at hand, can we send him home without pay uh, until we get a job that he feels comfortable doing or that he's capable of doing? Well, um, let's break that down. Uh, can you send an employee home short of terminating them? Yes. You can in effect, suspend the employee, and if you're suspending an employee, it's typically, uh, you know, best to do it for a specific period of time, one day, three days. I don't like this idea of open-ended, you know, Larry, we're sending you home. You call and tell us when you're ready to come back to work. I, I just think the employer should take control over it. Maybe, you know, Larry, we're sending you home for a day. Come back tomorrow and we'll discuss your continued employment or not. So, yeah, the suspension part is fine. Um, you said that it's an, if an employee uh, does not want to do a piece of work. I mean, you know, if the employee says, I'm not going to do that because I don't think it's safe, then you've got a potential safety issue and what I mentioned before, you know, retaliating an employee for making a safety complaint. If, if you've got an employee who says, I don't know how to do something, you know, then you've got a question of, well, is this an employee who needs training? Is this an employee who's being insubordinate? Um, so, you know, you're going to need to dig a little bit deeper in that. It sounds like this is an employee who needs managing one way or another. Yeah. And, you know, you need to figure out, is this an employee that is salvageable? Is this somebody that we can work with and rehabilitate, or is this employee showing signs that this isn't somebody that we want to have continue to work for us? Okay, and, and Wayne, I'm afraid I, I may not have done justice to your question, uh, but if you could perhaps restate it and, and resubmit it, if, if, uh, if we didn't quite get it, uh, we, can, we can address it again later. Okay, that's the questions for now. Why don't we move back to the workshop? Right. So I was talking about my ready, aim, fire uh, simple approach to fearless fire.